This week's podcast brought to you by Tittles. Our children have to wear uniforms to school, and that includes the shoes they wear on non-gym days. On gym days, they get to wear sneakers. On non-gym days, they have to wear black, brown, or blue shoes. And we took our nine-year-old shopping, and she found the exact pair of black shoes she wanted. And as we were driving home, and she took them out of the box and smelled them and fixing the laces and so excited about her new school shoes, she described them perfectly to me when she said, Mom, they look like referee shoes. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. What's well, a new month as we record this, September 1st, and the kids have gone back to school, or two of the kids have gone back to school for a single day, and so everything is completely back to normal. Yeah, right. It's uh, It was interesting getting our kids recap from their elementary school after the first day. Um, you know, all the kids and teachers have to wear masks, their desks are, you know, six feet apart. And then our, our youngest one, of course, was complaining because out at recess, the, the groups are broken up into two, like the this... A certain number of kids in this group have to play on the blacktop and the other kids get to play on the on the playground or actually the other way around i think everybody wants to be on the blacktop so they can play kickball and whatever else so um they're well, back to school but, but certainly the playground is the blacktop what do you mean like the um oh, the, you know the swing set yeah. and all that sort of thing so uh so anyway they're, they're <laughs> it's been a day and a half now where they have been back at school but uh, certainly much different from the school that they left back in March. And we've seen photographs of other kids' schools, and they're in a sort of judgment at Nuremberg plexiglass cube at their desk. Yeah, it's like a clear plexiglass. Dunk tank, a carnival dunk tank. Yeah, like the half of the dunk tank that, that just is around the edges. How tall would you say it is, like three well, feet or it's something? It's a grade school, but yeah, it's... No, I I'm mean, saying it, so it sits on the desk. Oh, yeah, and it's, it's high. Like, it, yeah, it, you so look like you're a toll booth attendant on the New Jersey Turnpike. So um, I, I don't know if that's so that the kids... The kids must still have to wear masks, though, right? Or do you think that's in place of the masks? No, I'm sure they still wear masks. And, you know, more power to them, whatever they're doing to try to make school work. The, um, you Great. wonder if the kid in the back row, if they make some mean spitballs, if those things will just whack splatter and stick to the uh, plexiglass desk shield. And in reverse, if they, they did put carnival dunk tank targets on on those desks, the teacher could um, could fight back. That sound you just uh, heard was my, my phone. Oh, the sound of silence. I was hearing a... Uh, <laughs> well, you heard the diddling. That was the notification on my phone um, because I have the Sharktivity app for... Um, you know, we've talked in the past about how occasionally we'll go down to Cape Cod and there's a ton of sharks down there. So I have this app. So at least once, but usually multiple times a day, I'll get an alert and I'll look at my phone and I'll realize, oh, there's a shark, you know, three and a half hours away this on a beach at Cape Cod. This makes me think of two things. First, our nine-year-old, now before doing a performance for me of whatever skit she's working on or song she's polishing up, she'll say, 
please silence your cell phones. <laughs> Will she really? Yes. <laughs> and um, it also makes me think, do you remember when, if there was a shark sighting four hours away from you, an alert wouldn't go off in your pocket and literally alarm you? Right. When, when there you go again, when some terrible news happened in the world, you wouldn't be instantly notified in your pocket and you would be going about your day happy in your own ignorance. Yeah. And, and, and I kind of, I kind of liked that. Right. And the thing is that I've gotten a lot more shark alerts this year than in years past on the same app. And the reason is that it's not even a shark sighting. It's a shark alert because as this one said, this beach is closed to swimming until 208 following a ping from the receiver. So, the receiver that they've, I don't even know exactly how that works, but I'm guessing. Confirming that there are sharks in the ocean. Yeah, but it used to just be if you saw a shark, you got out of the water. And if you were three and a half hours away, you had no no idea. But now it's not that somebody's seen a shark. It's that there's been a ping on the receiver three and a half hours away. And I know about it. But the good thing is I had no plans of going in the ocean today. So I don't have to change anything. How about well, you? In the heyday of the daily newspaper when I was a kid and they through the Minneapolis Star in our driveway every afternoon. My dad would come home from work, read all of the news in one sitting, and then 24 hours later they would do it again. He wasn't, he wasn't getting a constant stream of, of troubling and apocalyptic news drip-fed into him throughout the day. Right. Well, I think there is probably more apocalyptic news troubling yeah maybe not more of the troubling but certainly these days more of the apocalyptic which is why the um not more troubling i'm I'm saying i bet there was just as much troubling stuff happening then i think there's more apocalyptic stuff happening now well school starting at least for the time being um and also in the state of connecticut fall sports they've given them a couple week period where the the teams can practice in cohorts of 10 and then they're going to reassess how things going so our our freshman is playing volleyball for the first time and we needed to get her knee pads so um walking went into dick sporting goods found knee pads whatever i was walking out with our high school freshman and our nine-year-old when this I'd say 21-year-old, just like big muscle-bound guy. I'm guessing it was his girlfriend, are walking towards Dick's as we're walking past them to get in the minivan. And the guy just yells at the top of his lungs, the F-bomb. Clearly because, and then I see him turn around, he and they had both forgotten to get their masks. And so, you know, this big 20-year-old muscle-bound guy had to walk 15 paces back to his car to get his mask. I was so annoyed. I wanted to walk over. I didn't. You should. As a mother, I, it's, your, it's almost to, your duty. I wanted to walk over and see, say, dude, my nine-year-old didn't really just need to hear you scream an F-bomb because you forgot your mask. Like, really? Like, I realized that your brain is the size of a walnut and your vocabulary is even smaller than that. But consider <laughs> that there are nine and 11-year-olds around here. That's I, what you should have said. Yeah, I... I, I I probably and then he would have, have he said would have, all he would have, of that. He would, have, he would have cocked his head to this, kind of tilted it like our dog does, and looked at you with a cartoon question mark above his, above his brain and said, and when he was 20 yards past you, he would have realized that he'd just been insulted, and he would have done like the cartoon dog, <laughs> harumphing, and then... Uh, 
he did sort of strike me as that kind of a kid. Did he have um, did he have like a a uh, uh, gallon size water bottle with him that he was drinking from frequently? No, and I'm sure his pants weren't Zubaz, but that's like did he have in my a bum brain, equipment sweatshirt. Yeah, like no, but was that's eating, exactly. Was he eating like a paper <laughs> carton of French fries with a lot of ketchup on it? No, he would have been eating like a, a quarter of a watermelon that wasn't sliced. Had he just come from Gold's Gym by any chance? <laughs> Can you keep going with this line? I mean, this is, this is <laughs> as much as I've got. But, but, um, but yeah, I, I didn't say a word. But, um, and I, but it, I, I then as I'm getting in the car with the kids, I'm like thinking, I know I was oblivious to like when I was a college age kid or a high school age kid, I know I was oblivious to the people around me. It's not if, true. If there were it isn't true. parents with kids, no, but, I, it's but I, wasn't, true. I wasn't screaming that anyway. Of course not. When you were in college, you were, you were, uh, you were looked up to by kids and you, and you encouraged them to play basketball or to, you know, you signed autographs for them. Well, you I were think- kind to them. You were encouraging to them. And many of them are now uh, searching for your, replica jerseys on ebay but <laughs> but i just i think too there's just i um, would have been i, I mean th- i was that, an idiot in high school or at 20 I th- but i wasn't yelling that obliviously and if my friends were i i probably didn't say anything but i was i was embarrassed and mortified you were at least conscious of it i think part of it and is, i was and i was an idiot part of it is is that th- that word in particular is thrown around so frequently um i'd say by people even not that much younger than us i'd say like you know, from 40 and younger. It's just like another word that they use frequently in conversation. So there's so, there's no there's no uh, next level to go to. There yeah. is no intensifier that that you can deploy. Like my dad did. The only time I ever heard him say that was when he struck himself with a hammer in the basement, and it was a pure reflex. Otherwise. He 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 didn't swear around us, and I, and and I swear. And, and even if they swore around you, it was certainly never. Like I never once heard my mother or father use that word. They 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 rarely cursed, but sometimes they did. Never that word. Well, I mean, I'm I'm certainly guilty of it, but it's it's um, as you say, it's so. It, it, you didn't hear it on the radio. You didn't hear it on TV. You didn't hear it in movies. When I was a kid, not the movies I went to anyway. And so you only heard it in the park or, you know, out there from other people. And so it would have been shocking to hear it from from your parents. Yeah, you it would have been shocking for me to hear it from your parents. I didn't know your parents at the time. And, and I would say I've been with our nine-year-old, even in the last year, maybe half a dozen times when she's used it. No, half a dozen times when we've been walking somewhere and it's been within earshot. And I'm like, really? Well, you know, you, is you, this necessary? You, you did. You did. Uh, uh, counsel some gentlemen who were using it on the adjacent basketball court in a playground um, just at the start of quarantine. No, if you remember correctly, and we I told don't. this story, all I, I just went over and asked them if they could play more appropriate music. They weren't saying the word, but it was in the music that they were listening to. You said, my, just... my, my good sir, I have this Andy Williams Christmas 1968 <laughs> A-track that I, I would prefer super... you play. I was super friendly. I no, just went over and I said, you know, there's there's nine and 11-year-old over on this court. If you wouldn't mind, can you play some music? And that's one a of little their... bit more appropriate. That's all I said. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't, I didn't go. And they weren't meatheads. They were, and I always have a little, I'll have a soft spot. if, Like I would have had much more of a soft spot for that the meathead walking into Dick's if he was carrying a basketball. <laughs> I would have liked, it would have been like, oh, 
he's not so bad. So those kids on the basketball court, I was going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Of course, you, they were you, out there playing you should basketball. Have a, generally have a soft spot for meatheads because they're meatheads. I mean, that should be, instead of the you know, uh, computer programming for dummies or Spanish for dummies, there should be a four meatheads series of books. There should. Uh, meat-scented books, you know, etiquette for meatheads. Would would this be so that those of us who read could understand meatheads better? No, or would no, it no, be no, no, for no. Meatheads this would be for read? the meatheads. <laughs> Written for meatheads? Well, it's like the meat, four dummies Buy meatheads for meatheads. Buy meatheads by, by recovering meatheads. And it would be meat-scented? Is that what Yeah, I think like a, like a liver-scented or raw ground beef, you know, to attract the meatheads because you're not going to get them to the bookstore because there are books there. It has to be... Some kind of a, a meat scent. And these it would be re- written by recovering meatheads. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what do you think? I think. I know some people in publishing. Best. I think it's, uh, <laughs> it's great. It would, it would increase the uh, increased literacy in America because you have this whole pool of meatheads who clearly aren't buying books. And um, How, what would the, be the ratio of words to pictures in this book? It would be a pop-up book. <laughs> <laughs> Our meathead discussion did make me think that my mom's fantasy football league is ramping up again. Ramping up, meaning we're having... You're not your mother's fantasy football league. Right, right, right. That would, that league would be moms. an interesting yeah. thing. No, From the, the great beyond, your mother has... Yeah. has channeled as um what do they call it a seance is your your draft yes. for fantasy football so the the group of moms last year i was in a fan first time i was ever in a fantasy football league it was a a group of mothers all of us have sons some of the sons play football some don't but i was in this um fantasy football league which i was told by my one of my friends who runs it you and i because you helped me we won. Did you know we won? I didn't. I mean, I, I would have assumed we won, but so I didn't we, know we that won we actually the won. And uh, anyway, the, the draft is this coming weekend. Thanks. I said, uh, on the strength of having drafted Christian McCaffrey. Right. Well, not even having drafted. It was an auto draft. Right. Ours. And so they're, they're, the women are getting together in a socially distanced way this coming weekend to, to do the draft again. I said, I'm not screwing up my draft. I'm letting the computer choose for me, of course. So, um, but I thought like... That but I could even, keep one even, or two of my players, isn't that how most drafts are even, done? And they said, no, I'm not allowed to roll well, over want, anyone. They don't want from you winning it. Even pre-COVID, you were doing this in a socially distanced way. You never got together with these people. You never. I did once. Did you? Yeah, I think for I, for I, fantasy football-related business. Um. Or just you, you got together with them once socially. In we the got past together year. once as we didn't. Um, I don't think we did anything regarding the our our fantasy football league. We just got together, but uh, but no, I, I was there. When you ladies get together and have a few, what do you, what do you have? Uh, Cosmo tunies? I'm not sure what. That's what we have. Is Cosmo, yes, Cosmo fuzzy tunies. navels or what? What are they? What kind yes, of? we have Cosmo tunies and fuzzy navels. Are you, you like a 17 year old and girl in 1991? I am. I am. I'm, what, I'm, what is going on? You're having a. <laughs> what, what else are we having? A pink lady? Is that what you're drinking? I don't even know if that I, is I don't a know, drink. I'm not sure I do, do either. But um, uh, is there a pink gentleman as a drink as well, or is I, the pink I don't lady? know. Um, but. Uh, when you have your your exotic drinks with umbrellas and and fruit in them, um, are you then like, does, t- does talk naturally turn to fantasy football, even though it's not a fantasy football specific? Yes, of course it does. We talk fantasy football while we drink our drinks with I, with 
fruit, exotic <laughs> fruit in this, umbrellas. This has, this, like, has, this has nothing to do with, with ladies' cocktails and everything to do with having a couple of times heard Dana Carvey do his impersonation of Johnny Carson being pulled over for on suspicion of DWI in Malibu in the 70s. And he 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 comes up with these increasingly ridiculous drinks and increasingly ridiculous 1970s Malibu sort of watering holes that Johnny might have. And it's like, excuse me, officer, I, I just had a couple of slippery monkeys at the at the Crooken Hook. So that's that's the vein I was thinking. In. You would actually be very good at coming up with the name of new drinks. Speaking of, well, not really new drinks, but um, my brother. Didn't he uh, give you a beer that, like, what has happened to beer? And I don't know, what is it, the last 10 or 15 years? The cans have grown, the alcohol Everything's 16 grown. ounces, and um, everything has the consistency of, like, a milkshake, like an alcoholic milkshake. Uh, octuple IPA is 9.8% alcohol by volume, 10,000 calories. Drink it with a straw, one of those straws that has a spoon at the bottom kind right. of thing. yeah. And all of all of which was enjoyable, but I realized at some point that uh, it's probably not sustainable as a uh, what as was a your, hobby. Like, if my dad and I, we've talked about this before, if my dad was going to have a beer, it might be like after he mowed the lawn or something, and it was a Bud Light or a Coors Light, maybe a Miller Light. But I can remember like the the silver the silver bullet Coors can. Yeah. Like my well, dad never had. Like an IPA when I was a kid. I don't there even was no know. such thing. You couldn't get an IPA. Yeah, in a, like in did a, they even exist? A, no, no, no. There, there were like nine mass-marketed beers, if that many, and you chose one of them. You didn't. My dad did, and he he would drink. Uh, he would drink uh, uh, special export, not special export. Um, um, oh, what the heck was it called? Uh, he did have a six-pack of Billy beer in the basement forever. That was somebody brought him as a gag gift. What was Billy Beer? Uh, Billy Carter, Jimmy Carter's brother, had his own line of beer, Billy Beer. Billy, do you, re- you remember, have any memory of Billy Carter? He was yes, uh, I have a memory of Billy he Carter. Was the sort I didn't of, know there uh, was Billy Beer. He was the um, Roger Clinton of Billy right. Carter's, and uh, if that makes sense. And um, yeah, Billy Beer. I'm sure you can still buy six packs of it on eBay because very few people opened it and drank it because the beer was terrible. Uh, but uh, you know there were yeah there were about nine brands and um, preferred stock that's what my dad had Hams preferred stock is that a Midwest thing I guess well Hams was yeah well I do I do remember like because my mom would rarely drink wine even and um, but we would have wine <laughs> like at holidays at Thanksgiving or Christmas or Easter when family came over but the beauty was often the wine was in a box. <laughs> Do they still sell boxes of wine? Yeah, I think it's more popular than ever because, you know, it used to be like wine snobs, you know, it has to be in a bottle with a cork. You know, there's, then there's screw tops, cans, boxes. But uh, the box is still a little weird to me. But Yeah, it was, I mean, it was weird to me as a kid. But uh, I guess not that weird. That's how, that's probably the only way I knew wine came. Your, your, your parents, My dad would make your, your wine. Your parents wanted wine. Wine that you could that could be stacked on pallets, right? <laughs> my, uh, That's how much they were drinking. My dad would make dandelion wine. Would I, I should? I, he made that a handful of times when we were kids. Um, it was also the name of his like his uh, folk band cover band, right? He, he had a uh, right, but that was with a W H. Crosby, Stills and Nash cover band called Dandelion Wine, right? Yeah, 
Are you guys serious about this stuff? As a Rebecca Lobo set shot. Glass! Uh, let's go to viewer mail, shall we? Let's go to viewer mail. Big bad look, throw our lure. Reel us in with your viewer mail. Okay, our first viewer mail comes in from Sally in Rhode Island. She writes about college and puppies. Rebecca and Steve, this morning I had to laugh as I listened about your friend getting a puppy when her child left for college. How's that going, by the way, Rebecca? Um... She brought the puppies to the vet, and the vet had a lot of very grave concerns about the puppies, but that was a few days ago, and I think um, I think our puppies are going to survive, but I will have a, a better update um, next week. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. 13 years ago, right, Sally, we dropped our daughter off at Ohio Wesleyan University for her freshman year. I had been looking for a corgi and couldn't find one in New England. However, I did find one in Ohio. But perfect timing. You drop your daughter and pick up a corgi. Uh, we picked up the pup and smuggled her into our hotel room for her first night with us. It wasn't hard. An 11-week-old corgi isn't very big. After a brief goodbye to our daughter the next morning, she was more upset about saying goodbye to the dog than to us. We were off on our 13-hour drive home. The dog was on my lap most of the way, and she really diffused the emotion of leaving my youngest at college in Ohio. However, we did hear for years that we replaced her with the dog, Sally in Rhode Island. Thank you, Sally. Rebecca, any plans to replace any of your children with a dog even before they go to college? Um, no, I don't think I was replacing any of the children with this dog. Was it either. me? Um, perhaps. Or was I replaced by the first dog? Yeah, we've got we've got uh, a couple years before our oldest heads off to college, and then um, I- I'll say this right here on the record: if when our oldest goes to college, if I start talking to you about getting another puppy, um, replay this and remind me that it's not a great idea. I love our the do- two dogs we have now, but I think we're in a good place terms of our numbers is this what you would tell somebody you were cutting from a basketball team yes yeah, so this isn't about you but i think numbers. we're in a good place for our numbers right now uh and in mississippi writes i have to i have to do the, the math in my head when i see sally and ri that's easy rhode island ms always throws me um is mississippi because mi is michigan and mo is missouri and there's no o's in mississippi so why would it be mo anyway mn is minnesota shall i go on MA is Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. Hi, Steve and Rebecca. Last week you waxed poetic about the 1980s LA Library Reference Service. If you have any interest in old movies, 1957, the Catherine Hepburn Spencer Tracy movie, the Hepburn Hepburn Tracy movie Desk Set is about a reference library for a TV network. I had no idea. I thought I knew the the, uh, Tracy Hepburn oeuvre, but apparently not. It sounds great. Desk Set from 1957. I'm going to watch that this week. Also, I love the stories about the canines. They definitely have enriched your lives beyond what you already enjoyed. Stay well, Anne in Mississippi. Thank you, Anne. We walked the dogs this morning. And um, because our dogs dress on the left are told to walk on the taught to train. Do you explain it to me? Well, since they're females, I don't know which side they dress on. That's an old Taylor's term for people who don't know. um, Our oldest dog was taught to walk on the left side. So she always will be on the left side of me no matter what. And so when we're walking on the bike path, when we're walking, walking on the street, that's perfect. You're facing traffic, so then the dog is, you know, right up against the curb or in the yard or whatever. But when you're on the bike path, you're supposed to be walking on the right. With traffic. With traffic. And so that poses a problem with the dogs because the, the, especially the older one has been taught to walk on the left and the younger one is just going to follow the older one. So we have to kind of break the norms of bike path walking but we don't i i suggested we walk well to the right of the bike path that way the dogs are walking on the bike path but, but still to our left but they still want to sniff 
they don't want to sniff the cement. They want to sniff the whatever the scents are. I mean, that which are, just that means just off the means path, either so. we train them from day one to walk on the right. It would make much more sense. I don't know why they don't tell you this from the start. Or and hear me out here, we move to the UK. So everything is the opposite. Because we mostly walk on the street where the way we're walking is safe for them. You don't want them walking in the traffic. You want them walking to the left of you, off of the traffic. So unless you want to w- teach them how to walk on the street and then teach them separately how to walk on the bike path. Well, that would, that none would be of this, ideal, I think. Because even if we were in London, then they're walking correctly on the bike path, but they're walking incorrectly oh, on the street. Man. Are you following all of this? Yeah, we should get a rescue from England. And see what happens. See what happens. A trained rescue from England? A trained, uh, a, a, a corgi. Right. Hello, Rebecca and Steve. While we're on the uh, topic of reference librarians, let's keep that reference librarian train going, shall we? Um, hello, Rebecca and Steve. Before I became your resident birder, writes Denise in Glastonbury, I was, in fact, for a very long time a reference librarian. So I thank you enormously for your appreciation of libraries and librarians on the last podcast. I started my long-ago pre-internet career with a program called Library Line that allowed Connecticut citizens to call into a 24-hour hotline and ask any question that popped into their heads. <laughs> Imagine that. 24 hours. 24-hour hotline that, oh my God, I would love to hear. I, I, I would, Just, love, I would to love to have a conversation with somebody that, who yes. manned one of those. You were, yes. you were Google. You were a one-person Google. Uh, we researched sports statistics, a popular category, recipe, um, because, of course, 24 hours at, at midnight, People are calling from bars to ask about, uh, you know, settle that bet about what Ted Williams hit in in, um, 1941. So uh, we researched uh, sports statistics, recipes, history, physics, gardening, and eventually had to recruit specialist volunteers to help with topics like mechanical engineering and foreign languages. And guess what? We looked all this stuff up in all caps books, exclamation mark, with all caps indexes, exclamation mark. And guess what, Rebecca? This is me speaking now. It worked. It worked. My favorite question of all had to be, what is the greatest leap ever made by a dog in the state of Connecticut without the aid of a springboard? <laughs> alas, alas, we never could uh, find a corresponding authority that kept these kinds of records. But I will never forget this, and maybe someday we will find it on the internet. There is no end to the thirst for knowledge. Your resident birder, Denise and Glastonbury, that should, be, that should be the Latin, whatever the Latin is for that phrase, should be, the motto of this podcast. Let's make it the motto of this podcast. Inscribe it on coffee mugs. There is no end to the thirst for knowledge. I like it. Shall we? Sure. Um, our I don't I don't think I've told you this. You know, you most of the summer you have been doing a comedy class with our kids at night before they go to bed. And um, now that we're getting back into the school routine, and I've been putting our nine-year-old to bed, um, our puppy is part husky, um, and. Our nine-year-old now, because I told her that Jonathan, the husky dog, um, the Yukon mascot, the actual husky dog, has his own Instagram handle. Um, Every night she asks if we can look at a picture of Jonathan, the husky dog. And there was a great one they posted yesterday um, of Jonathan. I think it was right in Homer Babbage Library, but you just see him like seated, perched at a table with bookshelves behind him. So um he was channeling his uh, reference librarian I love yesterday. It. Um, by the way, Gail asks, Rebecca, could you send me the contact information of the makeup artist that provided you a color palette? Like you, I'm not a collector of makeup and would love to pay someone to help me. Uh, so I'll forward that to you. Okay. Uh, hi, Steve writes Ralph. Gary Siegel 
MD brought up the point of using the doctor honorific to help get restaurant reservations. Jill Biden, EDD, insists the honorific be used when she is introduced at public events, etc. My dad had a PhD and told me the honorific should only be used in academic and professional circles and when you need reservations, etc. I hope that clarifies things for the audience. I don't think that clarifies things at all. First of all, it wasn't Dr. Siegel who said it should be used for um, for reservations. You threw, you, Steve, threw that in oh, when yes, you were reading yes, yes. his letter. I don't think Dr. Siegel would ever suggest no. such a thing. Does, does that violate a Hippocratic oath? First, do no harm to maitre d's or... or Hippocratic oath or HIPAA. So uh, yes. One of the HIPAA the regulations. Well, Marty with a D writes, uh, Rebecca and Steve, resident Australian Roos football fan here. I haven't written in about a year, but I wanted to drop an email quickly while I had a moment and was finally caught up on the podcast. A year ago, my family and I traveled to Australia to visit family and were able to see two AFL footy games. We hadn't received our ball and chain swag before leaving. It came in the middle of our trip. So my four-year-old colored a printed version of your emblem, and here's a picture of him with it at an Adelaide Crows game. And here is a photo of him at an Adelaide Crows game with a uh, ball and chain logo. That he's drawn. In Adelaide, Australia. No, no, no. No, no that he printed. printed and colored. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I didn't know that he printed and colored it. He printed it. But it's awesome. Can we um, can we post that picture? I certainly hope so. Um, I was pumped back in the early months of summer that those of us here in the U.S. had the opportunity to watch AFL games while we waited for the NBA, WNBA, and MLB to come back. And that's true. Remember when uh, Aussie Rules football was on? I was able to pass along my love of Australian Rules footy to many fans who were desperate for live sports. This quarantine has been very Russian-centric for me. I've been listening to the pods throughout COVID-19, the pandemic. Throughout COVID-19, the, the pandemic. pandemic. I was six to seven pods behind back in March. I read two of Steve's books, Stingray Afternoons and Nights in White Castle. Thank you, Marty, with a D. And I have listened to Rebecca broadcast WNBA games, especially to watch former Oregon Ducks, Sabrina, Ruthie, and Satu play in the rookie seasons. So I want to say thanks to both of you for providing a lot of positive moments as we continue to endure COVID-19, the, the pandemic. pandemic. Lastly, in a discussion a few episodes ago, Rebecca mentioned leaving her water bottle at work and your daughter asking whether you could find it in the lost and found. At that moment, I smiled and thought it would make a great This Is Sports Center commercial. Then an episode later, another listener mentioned the same idea. I really think it would make a hilarious commercial, and I think Rebecca should pitch it to whomever makes those decisions. Imagine the possibilities. Thanks to both of you all. Thanks to bo you both for all you do. Marty with a D from Kansas, and here is... Uh, here are the photos from the Adelaide Crows game with uh, uh, f the four-year-old. And uh, thank you. It's Amazing. awesome. Uh, Alex in St. Paul writes, uh, Ever wonder. Hi, Rebecca and Steve. Ever wonder how all those foodstuffs get to your grocery store? I was out on a run the other day through a Minneapolis rail yard listening to the ball and chain, actually, when I passed by the equipment in the attached photo. I mean, this is here are a bunch of what looked like oil tanker drums, the long ones, like, you know, mm -hmm. attached to... Uh, trucks um, with with all these kind of bizarre labels that all of which are labeled for foodstuff use only uh, when I passed the equipment in the attached photo for foodstuffs only it looked like each tank would hold maybe 3,000 gallons of whatever foodstuffs they put in there and this rail yard had a lot of them beyond my initial curiosity I also found it odd that one of the tanks was labeled flammable exclamation mark question mark it was and not also labeled foodstuffs only. No, it flammable. is. It is. Flammable and, uh, and flammable foodstuffs. Food what would flammable foodstuffs well, be? Well, I don't know, but I mean, it's a great... It's a, like it's, Crisco or vegetable? I, I want all of my foodstuffs to be flammable now. Because, you know, like those <laughs> 1970s restaurant scenes where there would be a flambe, they'd set fire to something at your table. Right. And then you'd eat it. Yeah. I've, I've never had one of those things. I, I've always wanted it. As a kid, it was fascinating. It was like baked Alaska. Yeah, it was I like think. the fanciest restaurant imaginable set fire to your food at your table. Right? Oh, sure. 
So so flat one the one the one on top is labeled all caps super heavy super heavy. Is that even a, like a, a uh, weights and measuring? Uh, I think that's the, the precise scientific term. Super What's heavy. in there? Heavy whipping cream, writes Alex. Peaches and heavy syrup. <laughs> I like that. Heavy foodstuffs. Heavy whipping cream. Peaches. That's clever. It is. Um, anyway, from now on, Rebecca might picture tanks like this when she heads out to the store to get foodstuffs to fill those pantries. Has COVID-19, the pandemic, given your household any thought toward a quaternary pantry maybe out in the rail yard basically our tertiary pantry we, we we've almost got it down to a secondary pantry because we've we've been so confined by COVID-19 the pandemic that we've we've eaten our way through the tertiary pantry and reduced the number of trips to the grocery store yes. so uh, a, a quaternary pantry may maybe um, save for for COVID-20 the the pandemic WNBA question from Michelle, hello, Rebecca. What are the pros and cons to the way you're calling basketball games? Is it easier to see the game in the studio since you're watching it on a large screen and from a different angle? Also, it is said the world post-COVID-19 will be different. Do you see networks going to announcers calling games from a studio in the future? I would guess that would save a lot of money with travel over the course of a year for a network like ESPN with all their crews and all the sports. Thanks, Michelle. Beck? So the first part of that question were the pros and the cons to be to calling the game um, remotely. The, the pro... Um, is that you don't have to travel as much. Um, and I actually, I think that we've done a pretty good job because we have a, a giant monitor in front of us that shows us what uh, the audience is seeing. But then we also have a monitor that shows every other camera angle. So, um, so if you want to, and then there's cameras fixed um, on each bench all the time. So if you really want to know what's going on on the Minnesota Lynx bench or on the Connecticut Sun bench, you can look at that monitor. It's not nearly as easy as doing it in person um, because when I'm calling a game, I actually spend a fair amount of time just kind of looking and seeing what's going on away from the action. So it's a, it's a little bit harder to see the other stuff, but we do have um, cameras and monitors fixed on those things. Sometimes there's some audio issues. You don't get a really true sound of what's in the um, in the empty arena, but oftentimes the audio is really, really good. I would say that the benefit of it is, um, and this might not be so much the benefit of not being there and listening to the mics as it is the benefit of not having fans there, is you can hear so much more. You hear the players communicating with one another. You hear the officials. You just hear so much more the sounds of the game, which I really like. Um, and I do think in the future that you will see this happening a lot more in terms of broadcasts um, taking place away from the event just because it does save a ton of money. Um, and as a result of that, and, and, and I think for the most part, we have done a pretty good job on the WNBA games, not only us at ESPN, but the people calling it for CBS Sports, the people calling the World Feed games. I think they've done a really, really good job so that um, I think a lot more networks will decide to use this as a cost-saving measure in the future. Uh, a little note here. I'm reading these viewer mails on my iPad. Comes in from our uh, resident something or other, Chris in Cheshire, who really earns his title and his and his salary, uh, his honorarium this week. With the in the middle of us this email, he he notes that the superscript dot on a lowercase i or j is called a a. It's called a tittle. T i t t l e. Did you know that? Is that even true? Can you read that again? The, the superscript dot on a lowercase i or j. It's called a tittle. That's what that's what Chris in in I believe. Or, I mean, if only we there were a 24-hour hotline we could call to ask if that were true. 
A tittle is a title or superscript dot is a small distinguishing mark, such as a diacritic in the form of a dot on a lowercase i or j. Wow. Did that clarify anything for you? <laughs> that was more confusing. His, his, his explanation, his description was much, much better than the one on Google. But it didn't, it didn't get the diacritical reference in there, which is right. nice. Aha, uh, writes John. Off topic. I'm afraid I'm unfamiliar with that term. Now, um, John is our resident um, science teacher. Yes. I don't know if he's actually officially a resident, but he is. He does teach science to students, some of whom have been our, our own. And uh, and they declared him their favorite because he he frequently goes off topic. Right. Off topic, writes, John, I'm, unf- I'm afraid I'm unfamiliar with the term. I am familiar, however, with the idea that the refrigerator in your kitchen is there because of a chain of events that started with a nearly lost battle by Napoleon Bonaparte. That we know about the Big Bang thanks in no small part to two scientists who were willing to scrape pigeon poop out of an old radio telescope, and that at least one Nobel Prize would never have been but for a chance pickup basketball game. Rebecca, that one's for you. Humans tend to memorize the first and last things they hear, but in between, they learn a whole lot by association. Every piece of knowledge is six degrees or less separated from any other piece of knowledge. Those two things explain why we humans are so enamored by the internet. The first human invention that mimics the way our minds work, hence my academic bird walks. Flattered, humbled, and grateful, and I'll just note for the record that I was trained by even better teachers than me, than I. Steve, That's one. that one's for you. Cheers, John. That would be then, then I. Right? Then I. Can I but re- but but that's a that's an uppercase I and not and, and, not a tittle free lowercase I. I'm going to go back to the the person who asked me about the benefit and the the negatives of calling games from the studio. I'm going to throw in uh, last week when players decided the WNBA players decided to take a pause for two days, um, a couple days of reflection and and not play games. I wasn't working that night. Pam Ward and Lachina Robinson were. And they were sitting in the studio, you know, an hour and a half before the game, not knowing yet whether or not the players are going to play. But what was really interesting, and this is a benefit of them being in the studio, is the players were on the court an hour before the game um, for the four teams uh, that were going to be playing. And um, they were communicating with each other. They were talking. The, the different teams were talking to each other. They were talking to Kathy Engelbert, the commissioner of the league, well, we have microphones set up all around the court, so our announcers were actually able to hear a lot of the conversation that was going on uh, among the players and then the players with people in the league. And um, so when they came on the air that night, even though they had just found out that the players were, were not going to play, they had a wealth of information and knowledge. And, and because they're professionals, they knew what they could share and what they couldn't share. But um, being able to hear those things, if they were on site, they would not have been privy to, um, they would not have been able to listen to any of that information. So that was a case where it was really helpful to them to have a true understanding of, of what these women were thinking and, and uh, what the preceding hour had been like because they had been able to hear most of it. Uh, greetings from Minglewood Kennels, writes uh, Michael in New Jersey. I hope this note finds you well. I'm res- in response to your thought regarding families looking to fill the void of a departed college student, I find that most parents should not rush out and find another pet, either from a rescue or other means. They might consider replacing their attention slash affection with a pet, but more often than not, their kids will bring home a pet, usually a dog, and then move out, thus leaving their parents holding the leash. I've seen parents dutifully try to make the most of the situation because we'll do anything for our kids regardless of age. Many households don't replace a pet after their pet expires. Usually it's due to illness and the stress that comes from additional care. Speaking of which, the gentleman who had had to help his dog get up and walk is not alone. 
We used a towel under a large dog's belly many times once the back end doesn't function. Had a couple of instances over the years where the owner picked the dog up with a towel assistance and made the final trip to the vet. We are glad to have 20 to 25-pound Scottish Terriers whom we can carry if need be. Lastly, with young puppy, you always have to be alert with what they're ingesting. Remember the Swiss Mountain Dog in the mitten? I'm glad that Rebecca mentioned the peroxide in case you need to make a dog vomit. Watch the raisins and grapes, especially with kids around. One of those could be lethal. Enough pontificating for now. Stay safe and be well. Sincerely, Michael. Um, Grapes are something that we've... uh, Our kids are all over that they know. Do not let any grapes or raisins fall on the floor. Do not ever let any chocolate or uh, gum, uh, especially sugar-free gum, anything with xylitol, get anywhere where the the puppy or the dog can get to it. Our kids are very, very aware of those things. Now, the the puppy's ingesting voles and moles and other things that it shouldn't be, but... Voles and moles and something, and ice cream castles in the air. Is that what you're going to say? That's exactly what I was going to say. I look at and meatheads and zubaz, I think was my next line. I think I think they were meatheads and zubaz. That's that's poetry. Zubaz, zubaz. Uh, finally, batting cleanup. Doctor Gary Siegel writes, "Dear Rebecca and Steve, Steve, how lucky are you that you married a woman as wise and intelligent as Rebecca? She adeptly picked up on my use of the antiquated and now radioactive term push present." I could hardly stop laughing during last week's podcast as I had a vision in my head of a cartoon character, Rebecca, babe in arms, and with a softball-sized diamond ring on her finger, bashing over the head with a ring, a cartoonish, balding Steve. I think I'd have been bald at that point. Bravo, Rebecca and Steve. I'm not far behind you in the hair category. I enjoyed your discussion of libraries and research, including the use of index cards. Until we downsized, we were proud owners of 1992 World Book Encyclopedias, which became antiquated in, give or take, 1994 or 1995 when the home personal computer became a functioning reality. But what a great joy to have a set of encyclopedias, and you could you could just pick out like S, or in some cases, like maybe like SU through SY. Our set had... Um Every letter of the alphabet had its own book, except maybe it was X, Y, Z. There was yeah. one that had a couple that w- were multiple letters. And, and you were probably missing like G. Maybe. A and, volu- and one the, volume. In the edge of the pages was gilt, gold. Gilt, the gilt edge. Was it the gold edge? Yeah. Uh, like, a, like a hymnal? Yes, it was great. That says, uh, we should, uh, I may buy a set of encyclopedias from like 1974 off, off I, the interweb. I imagine you probably will. Uh, Steve coined the term middle-aged mutt acquisition syndrome in response to your friend with five children and two dogs who got two more dogs. But I, I like that description of our friend. Friend with five children and two dogs who got two more dogs. Yes. That's, that should That's be a, a sitcom on CBS. Years ago, our house was indeed stricken with this malady also. When our oldest was about to go away to college, we got a new dog for the first time in many years. Subsequently, when our daughter graduated from college in 2009 and returned home jobless, she got a dog. We're up to two now. And then, of course, a job. Mrs. Dr. Siegel became the lady who takes care of the puppy, and our daughter's job ultimately took her from Atlanta to D.C. and then to London. Her dog, Bailey, was... Bailey. Well, not just Bailey, but the job took her to London. We need a British dog. Oh, right. (laughs) Uh, Her dog, Bailey, was my best friend. You may recall that he was my trainer during the early part of the pandemic, happily laying around while I ran stadium stairs. Sadly, Bailey and and his older sister, Piper, both golden doodles are in doggy heaven, but they do live in pictorial form on my Apple Watch. As of now, <laughs> as of now, in our home, the vote is one to one in terms of getting another dog, which means that I am losing the vote. I look forward to a vaccination, a return to our new normalcy, and the gathering of the podcast experts that Denny will plan. I, I, we, we forgot to check in with Denny to see how he's doing on the uh, on that front. 
but um, but I'm not even sure he listened to last week's podcast, so he he may not know. Doctor Siegel uh, sends a PS in a in a second email, um, and it is that current presumably eco-friendly cereal bags stink. We talked about this on the podcast. Mm-hmm. You, they're terrible. Yeah. Mrs. Dr. S. uses scissors to open them, and then the cereal goes into Tupperware containers. We've done that as well. But we haven't used scissors to open them. That seems like a, the it's obvious a thing to do. Yeah. A no-brainer. Which, of course, is the reason we haven't thought of it. <laughs> well, yeah, I thought you were suggesting that that's how Mrs. Dr. S. thought of it, but you weren't implying that at all. No, I'm saying it's the reason we haven't. That we haven't, yes. Well, we need to get cereal boxes for meatheads. Yes. That's all I got. That's uh, and that's and it's more than enough. So on that note, Tom Dick Hari, play us out. Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back Day by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane Six of us and the family pet live in cuckoo nest Daily grind puts your sanity to a daily test Androgynous and vigorous While we give for a little rest Stay by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane